thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Good morning, Connect Church. Hey, let's thank our worship team for leading us out today. Uh, They do an incredible job every time. Grateful that you are here today at Connect Church as we together get to make much of Jesus. Remember our heartbeat to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And Sundays are a big part of that. So thank you for being here. And i got to say this. One of my mentors in, in ministry, Jerry Hyder, um, I got to work with him over at my home church, which I love, First Baptist Sevierville. Uh, he pops in every so often and worships with us. And, and I'm going to tell you something. You got to celebrate those who pour Jesus into you. And I learned from him what it was to love people, to, to really care for people, and to serve God faithfully. And you know what? I also learned it's okay to laugh and love Jesus with Brother Jerry and his wife Linda and Courtney are here. So thank y'all for being here today. So good to have y'all. And grateful that you could come and pop in today and and worship with us. Excited about what God is going to do in this place. Now, a couple years ago, I took a trip to Israel and decided we were going to go as a church. And so, to offer opportunities to go. And so, we planned to go to Israel in 2020. And I don't know if y'all heard, but there was a pandemic. Um... And so we didn't get the chance to go to Israel. And so before I begin, I want to let you know next Sunday at 5 o'clock p.m. right here, uh, we're going to talk through a Israel trip in 2023, in November of 2023, to give you a little bit over a year uh, to go ahead and plan for that. I've got 57 spots open, and I want to take you to Israel with me. It's going to be a wonderful trip. It won't be our last one if you can't make this one. But I'm going to tell you, it is, it is life-changing. It is really see the Bible come come to life and uh, would love to take you there with us. In fact, my mother and father-in-law are right now in Israel. This is from the plane a few days ago. They are in the Holy Land, and they are uh, touring things. We miss them. And, uh, but you know, last night we got an update from them, a video update of their time in Israel. Uh, Eric, of course, is an elder here at Connect Church, and, uh, and so they sent us a video. I think they were in, in the Holy Land doing a, a camel ride. So you know what? Let's just check in on them real quick, okay? Guys, dim the lights and show us on the screen of their camel ride. They look a little different since they left. It really changes you. Guys, if you're not going to want to go to Israel after this, nothing's going to persuade you. Here's the good part. And look at that guy's core muscles on the front. Man. (laughs) That poor camel. He'll never be the same. (laughs) I don't know who's playing that little flutophone in the back, but they good. And so, um, when they come back next week, y'all tell them you enjoyed their camel ride there in the Holy... (laughs) Here we go. 
<laughs> I just Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Tell them you enjoyed their camel ride, okay? Go to Israel with me. I promise it'll be better than what you just saw on the screen. Today, we are back in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, we're discovering together what it is to translate God-sized vision into our everyday reality. We began here in the story of Nehemiah and his vision to rebuild walls that had lied in ruins, walls that were broken. We begin our series talking about the fact that this, that even in the midst of chaos, there is a God behind the scene who's both in control and at work for his good and his glory. And here's the beautiful thing about the God we serve. He works it to our good. And we realize that even in the midst of the chaos, that God is in control. Last week we talked about this truth. An important building block of vision is simply this, is burden. That all God-sized vision begins with great burden. And this week we talk about another important building block of vision. You ready? And that building block is this. Is prayer. Oftentimes, this building block of prayer is the most overlooked, but hear me, it cannot go understated enough of how important prayer is to the vision process as God gives his people a vision that comes directly from him. God-sized vision, and we'll begin to see today that God-sized vision is powered by prayer. Now, this sermon is going to be a two-part. We're, we're going to begin talking of prayer today, and we're going to finish this next week, but we realize this, that God-sized vision is powered by prayer. It cannot be overlooked, and it cannot be overstated of how important the power of prayer is when it comes to vision. Now, as you turn to Nehemiah chapter 1 in the Bible or open your app there and scroll there, I encourage you to do so. We know that at this point in Scripture, some 70 years before this, Zerubbabel is tasked with rebuilding the temple of God, a temple that laid in ruins ever since the Babylonians came in and destroyed them around 586 B.C. And we begin to catch a picture and a glimpse of the very spiritual condition of the people of God. The walls in Jerusalem were still broken, meaning this, that Jerusalem itself was both defenseless and weak, meaning this, it didn't matter. And Nehemiah, he couldn't stomach the news that he had heard. Upon receiving the bad news from a convoy that had traveled back from Jerusalem, Nehemiah is moved to tears and also, he's moved in brokenness. Now we see in Nehemiah chapter 2 that God then uses his brokenness and his burden to begin to birth a vision in his heart. A vision in chapter 2 of Nehemiah that we find was put in his very heart by God. But I want to know something very important. When it comes to Nehemiah's vision, that his vision wasn't just focused on the condition of the walls, but his vision was focused on the condition of his people's hearts. And so for a moment, I want us to look into the life and the prayer life of Nehemiah and see how it is that prayer powers vision. It's like this in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. 
Nehemiah, upon hearing the news, would say, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. By the way, didn't we just sing about that two songs ago? How good God is at that. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear and see the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night and for your servants. Watch this. The people of Israel. I love what Nehemiah says. Man, this is, this is my prayer, both day and night. And by the way, this is an exaggeration. This is empathy. It is intercession. We begin to see that it's exhausting work on behalf of Nehemiah. And, and by the way, oftentimes God-sized vision can be exhausting work. And we see that Nehemiah begins in prayer because we know this. It was more than just the walls that were broken. The people's lives were broken. The ruins that surrounded the temple in Jerusalem pointed to hearts that lie in ruin. Crumbling infrastructure pointed to a crumbling faith among the people. And so we find that bad news led to great burden. And Nehemiah's great burden was the beginning of God-sized vision. But we must ask, what was it that powered his vision? And then we look back at verse number 4. When I heard these things, Nehemiah says, I sat down and I wept. For some days, I mourned, I fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. We begin to see that this morning that Nehemiah was having was really moving his heart towards prayer. That fasting focused his heart on prayer. And we realize this about Nehemiah. Prayer was not his last resort. It was his first step towards God-sized vision. The Bible tells us that he prayed for some days. Hear me, church. God-sized vision doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. God-sized vision rarely ever happens overnight. Most of the time, it happens over time. Well, we see this in Scripture between the month of Kislev in chapter 1 where we first find Nehemiah to the month of Nisan in chapter 2. Some four months have passed before Nehemiah's bad news-induced burden of broken walls led to a big, bold ask of King Artaxerxes in chapter 2. Four months from Nehemiah in one, chapter 1, verse 4, and Nehemiah standing before the king in chapter 2. And what we begin to see this is something that Nehemiah is even teaching us to this day. You ready, church? That during these four months, Nehemiah is teaching us what it is to worship in the waiting. We don't talk a whole lot about that. But what it is to worship in the the waiting, to worship in the time between burden and birth of vision and seeing vision become reality. And we find that Nehemiah's greatest weapon of worship in the waiting was prayer. Was prayer. Now listen, i got to confess to you, I, I hate waiting. I, I'm not very patient. I'm not good at waiting. It's not a gift for me. I just, I'm not the waiting guy. I'm the guy who's, if you're more than 15 minutes early, then you're late. That guy, that annoys many of you, right? Uh, You just got to be early. 15 years ago, I married a woman, and I've waited on everything since. 
Every, those days are over, being early for everything. And, and then, not only that, with my beautiful wife, we have now three daughters. Our waiting has increased threefold, right? We're just never on time for, for anything nowadays. And sometimes that carries over my spiritual life as well. I'm not really good at waiting on the Lord too much. But as I've gotten older, I began to see that there is sweet worship to be had in waiting on the Lord. Sweet worship that can only be found at times waiting on Him. Consider the story of Moses, who God used to set His people free from the slavery and captivity of Pharaoh. We learn this in Acts chapter 7, and I love this. Acts chapter 7 kind of recounts the story of Moses. When he was 40 years old, he came, it came into his heart to visit his brother, the children of Israel. We begin to see right here the beginning stages, the birthing of vision. Why? Because Moses begins to have a burden for his people. Although he's prince of Egypt, his people are enslaved in Egypt. So great was his burden working out here. We learn in verse 24, and seeing one of them being wrong, meaning one of his people, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. And we, we have a great burden here. And then Moses kind of acts on his own here, and he kills an Egyptian man. Moses was under great burden for his people. But I want you to watch, watch, watch what happens in verse 30. The Bible says, and when 40 years were expired, meaning this, 40 years down the road from this burden and this vision beginning, we find that after 40 years there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. C catch that church. From the beginnings of burden and vision, it was some 40 years for, for Moses before he stood there at a burning bush that was yet to be consumed and before he would stand before Pharaoh and on behalf of God say, let my people go. 40 years of waiting. And yet you read his story and you find that Moses knew what it was to worship in the waiting and to wield the weapon of prayer during that time as God had him waiting in the wilderness. Hey, how about King David, anointed king of Israel at the age of 15? But we know this, it would be some 20 plus years between his anointing as king and finally his appointing as king over all of Israel. And we find in the life of King David that there was some worship in the waiting. Don't believe me? Read the Psalms. Read his story in Scripture. There was worship in the waiting. And one of the greatest weapons he used in that waiting time was prayer. I begin to think of our own story here at Connect Church. Connect Church began as a burden for our hometown of Sevierville in my heart years ago. We have a church on every corner, and yet our community grows, and those who don't love and follow after Jesus continue to grow, to come back and to lock arms with local churches and just reach as many people as we could for Jesus. I'll never forget, it was in the summer of 2015, and uh, Aaron and I and Zach were at Panama City Beach preaching for First Baptist Sevierville, uh, their youth camp. We're out in the ocean, and I, I shared for the first time with my wife and my brother-in-law. I said, guys, I think God is, is moving my heart 
really given me a vision to pastor not just a generation, but the generation. So not just student ministry, which, oh, I miss it every day, but, but to, to bless all, uh, all generations, to minister and to pastor all generations. And then I said to them out in the ocean, I said, how crazy would it be if God moved on our hearts to plant a church back home? And then we laughed and we laughed and we laughed and we went back to Charlotte. And for the next three years, God took the burden that we had for our hometown and he began to mature us and to mature that vision. And after three years, my wife, who was very much pregnant with our fourth child and the rest of our kids, we left Charlotte and I came back and mowed lawns and I cleaned buildings so that we could start Connect Church, it took three years in the waiting for us to come home and to plant the church that you now sit in today. You know, oftentimes with God-sized vision, there is a season of waiting. But here's the question. Will we choose to worship in the waiting? If you find yourself with this God-sized vision in your life, this great burden, but you find yourself also waiting, hey, by the way, read his book. You're in good company. In fact, you're in great company. But I want to I be honest with you. Sometimes waiting on the Lord is wearisome. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's just hard. I was reading a book. I love it. It's one of my study materials for the sermon series. Andy Stanley, an incredible writer, wrote a book called Visioneering Years Ago. And I want to read you just a, a paragraph and a half from his book. And so here it is on the screen. There are always more questions than answers when God births vision in our hearts. There are always obstacles. There are always lack of resources. A man or woman with a vision usually feels alone, even isolated. Often there's little to go on other than gut-level, unquenchable, insatiable desire. And hopefully a sense of destiny. A feeling that this is what you were made for. An assurance that God has called you out into uncharted waters with a divine purpose in mind. If any of that rings true for you, you may be on the brink of something divine. Sometimes the waiting can be wearisome. But it's worth it. If you will worship in the waiting. My guess is Nehemiah experienced some wearisomeness in waiting for the four months that he had to wait because of the Lord. I'm certain that he wanted to to get to work, but God wanted him to wait. I can imagine Nehemiah saying this, that I'm done being a bartender for a king, and I'm ready to start building for the king of all kings. And although he prayed, day and night, Scripture tells us, still he waited for four months. And receive from the Lord in those four months the most frustrating answer of all to prayer. Yes, we love and celebrate. When God says yes to prayer, yeah, we love it. Even when God says no, we can understand it at times. We can appreciate it because we know that God's way and his will works best. But the most frustrating answer to prayer is wait. Wait. In a book entitled, Too Busy to Pray, I love this part. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. And you know what? For Nehemiah, 
It was four months of God saying, slow and wait before God ever said, go. And so we see in the life of Nehemiah what it is to worship in the waiting. And the weapon of choice again, prayer. Prayer. I'm reminded of the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 27, 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Hey, believer, let me challenge you in the same. Be strong, take heart, and wait on the Lord. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living if you wait on the Lord. Oh, there is great worship to be had. In the waiting. But now, I want to frame up this four months real quick with Nehemiah. This, isn't, this wasn't a period of time where Nehemiah sat around the Persian capital binge-watching Netflix just to pass the time, right? Man, he just suit up in a diaper and put video game all night just to keep his mind busy during this time. No, he kept doing what he knew to do. He continued to walk with God, to pray, to plan. And you Ready? to serve as cupbearer to the king. He decided to worship in the waiting. And I imagine he did as the psalmist says in Psalm 5.3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. I can imagine that even in the weariness of waiting, and Nehemiah brought his request before the Lord, and he waited expectantly that God would move and God would show up. In 1937, Walt Disney produced a film entitled Snow White, a beloved Disney classic. It's from an 1812 German fairy tale by Brothers Grimm, but in there was a song that was very famous, a song entitled Whistle While You Work. Okay, and we're not going to do it, but look, you wanted to do it, right? Like you wanted to whistle there because it's just a great song. I got to thinking as I was studying this week that if we can whistle while we work, surely we can worship while we wait. Surely you and I can learn what it is to worship while we wait, to worship through prayer. And here's what prayer does. In the midst of our vision and this burden and trying to figure out what God is doing in our lives, vision does, or prayer does something really incredible. It allows us to clear out all the bad ideas. And prayer helps us to clarify God's idea, God's vision for your life and mine. Now, I want to throw out a warning real quick. Not every burden is God-sized vision. It's important that we understand that. It's like a good old boy who comes up to me and says, Angelus, i got to share a burden in my heart. It's a burden. It's big. I think this is God-sized vision. Uh, we just, we got to do this, Anthony. Here's a picture of her. She's a 2022 Skeeter Bass Boat. She has a 250 motor on that thing. And listen, God's just giving me a burden for her. Man, listen, nothing wrong with a good bass boat. Nothing wrong with trying to envision your life around that and buy you one if your wife will not kill you. Go ahead. But you know what we're dealing with in Nehemiah? It's God-sized vision. And it's hard to always put a bass boat in that category. 
We're talking God-sized vision. And a side note, I want to remind you too, church, that this God-sized vision he puts in your heart will never contradict the words he put in his book. No God-sized vision will ever lead you to sin, will ever lead you in rebellion, will ever lead you into relationships or situations that contradict the commands of Christ. Just won't do that. And so, Anthony, what do we do? If we, if we wield this weapon of, of worship during the waiting of prayer, how do we know this vision, this burden is from God? Well, here's three questions to ask of it in the waiting. Number one, does my vision align with God's mission to save the world? Meaning this, does the burden and the vision on your heart align with the mission that he's given you through his word? By the way, if you check no on that box then probably what you're dealing with is not a God-sized vision, but a you-sized vision. We talked about this last week, right? That if you, if you have a great burden, this God-sized vision, and it doesn't scare you a little, it doesn't seem a little too overwhelming for you, then you might not have God-sized vision, you might have you-sized vision, vision. Well, the same is true here. If you check the box no here, then guys, we may not be dealing with God-sized vision, we might be dealing with you-sized vision. Here's the second question we ask of our vision. Does my vision make more of Jesus than it does me? Hey, where does the spotlight land on your vision? If the spotlight of your vision lands on you, then guys, we got to go back to the table. In that, time of, in that time of waiting, these are some things we can clarify through his spirit. If that spotlight's on me, then we got to go back to the table. we got to get to work and find a vision that aligns with the word of God and a burden that burdens his heart. Here's the third question. Can I accomplish this vision in my power or do I need his? When it comes to God-sized vision for Nehemiah, there was a lot Nehemiah could do. But there was only parts of that vision that only God could do. If you come to this box and say, man, I could do this. I don't need him. I don't need his help. I can get the bass boat. Maybe we're dealing with a you-sized vision and not a God-sized vision. You see, that worship and the waiting clears out those bad ideas and helps us to see God's idea, God's vision for your life. You say, man, what if I don't have a God-sized vision yet? And I'm, I'm still working on what God has burdened my heart with. What do I do then? What do I do in that waiting? Well, let's do as the psalmist writes in Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Then what do I do if I don't have that God-sized vision, that burden yet? You wait on the Lord, and in the midst of the waiting, you continue to do what you know how to do. What Nehemiah did. You love and you walk with Jesus every day. You love one another. You share and you be the gospel to a world that is lost without him. And continue to read his word. And continue to pray both day and night. Worship in the waiting. Well, hey, Pastor Anthony, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to miss the vision that God has for my life. I'm just going to miss it in the waiting. I, I'm going to give you a statement real quick. You ready? If you are walking with Jesus, it is impossible for you to miss his vision for your life. Now listen to me. If you live in sin and rebellion to God, 
If you're living life by and for yourself, it is easy to miss God's vision for your life. But if you are walking with him, it is impossible as you wait on the Lord for you to miss his vision for your life. Remember this out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here's the promise of all God-sized vision, church. What makes the waiting worth it? What makes the, the worship and the waiting worthwhile? Listen to this promise in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Since ancient times... No one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those, watch, who what? Who wait on him. Believer, today, as we set up our message next week, through the actual way Nehemiah prayed and God answered his prayer, today be reminded that there is worship in the waiting. And it should come as no surprise that we do this on Graduate Sunday, where students, college students, career students, military students, man, they just come and they're just wondering what God's doing in the midst of all this waiting. Hey, student, listen to me. Worship in the waiting. Worship in the waiting. Some, I just triggered my Siri. She's talking to me. Zach, do I just touch my iPad here? Siri's literally talking to me. Huh? Never mind. Gosh, I wish that worked in every scenario in life. That was awesome. All right. And so let me, let me close down this. Um, some 80 days ago, the Russian, they invaded Ukraine. And uh, like so many other Americans and people around the world, our hearts began to be burdened for the Ukrainian people. The atrocities that we have seen and heard of, are just heartbreaking. But in our family, we have a special member of our family whose home country is Ukraine. You see, years ago, she, she married my brother-in-law, Brother Zach. This is a picture, I believe, of y'all, at, of y'all at Easter. And I've watched over the past several months, I've watched as the senseless, godless, evil war has waged on I've watched the great burden my sister-in-law Ivanka has had for her people. I've heard and listened to her prayers for her people. And I've watched God just begin to place this burden, this great burden on her heart here recently. To be honest, it's broken my heart to see her heart broken. Well, over a month ago, Ivanka learned of a organization in the state of North Carolina where we served for a season, Baptist on a Mission. And what they're doing is they're getting not only native Ukrainians, but those who speak the language, and, and they're shipping them off. They're sending them out overseas to the border of Ukraine, to Hungary, to, to go there and work with refugees. These are medical mission trips. Because what is coming out of the Ukrainian nation is absolutely unbelievable. Crimes against men and women and children and the elderly. And so people are going there because they need translators and they, they need medicine and medical personnel to help treat the many wounds that are coming out of the Ukraine. And Ivanka learned of this over a month ago. And so you know what she began to do? Just pray. Because the great burden that had been placed upon her heart, 
was now calling her to action, but God, what would it be? Because not only do they send them to the border of Ukraine, but these medical missionaries go into the western part of the nation in a war zone and bring medical care to people who can't quite reach the border. And you ready? All of this to a lady who's never been on a mission trip. To a mom with two beautiful young girls. And here God was giving her a great burden. Well, last week, Ivanka, I kidded with the first service. I didn't know that you ever listened to my messages, but hey, this is good. Last week, it came out as we preached on great burden. I mentioned somewhere in that message that, that really when it comes to God-sized vision, that usually operates outside of our comfort zones and without the safety nets we like to surround ourselves with. And in all of that, we would learn that in that service, God was moving on Ivanka's heart. And he went from slow to go. And so just in a little over a week, this mom with two young baby girls who's never been on a mission trip is going to fly over to the border of Ukraine and she's going to love on refugees and casualties of war in Jesus' name. She's going to go into a war zone to love on people and to do everything she can to fix that which has been broken. A lot of times people ask, are you scared for her? Like, aren't you worried for her to go there and In all actuality, in all honesty, no. Listen, the safest place for you and I to be is not in America, but in the very center of God's will. I would be far more worried for her if God had put this calling and this vision in her life and she were to refuse him. I would be far more worried for her. You see, what I've watched in my own sister-in-law is what it is to have great burden. Realizing that even in all the chaos behind the scenes, that God is both in control and he's at work. I've watched this burden come upon her that has given birth to this vision of a, of a mom of two young kids who's never been on a mission trip to go over there and to love on people in Jesus' name. And then I've watched as she's devoted time to prayer and how God, even in short order, has taken his answer of slow to last week, Ivanka, go. Go. How could she ever have great peace about that? Well, that great peace comes when you worship in the waiting. And the weapon you wield, that weapon of worship that is most valuable to you is prayer. Is prayer. Church, what are you doing in the waiting? What do you do in seasons of waiting? You see, what you do there determines the very vision that God is going to call you to and give to you. May He find us today worshiping in the waiting. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.